1: Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, July 21st, 2022. It's about 1.05 in the afternoon. My guest today, you can see him on the screen, needs no introduction to those of you who are regular viewers. Uh, Scott Ritter is one of the foremost uh, explainers today of the use of military as an instrument of foreign policy. Uh, and the use of uh, intelligence data to inform the foreign policy makers. He joins us again. Uh, Scott, it's always a pleasure. Welcome back to Judging Freedom.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: So since we last spoke, which was uh, about a month ago, uh, tell us about the uh, events that have taken place uh, in the military conflict uh, in Ukraine uh, and who's winning, who's losing, and how this thing is going. Let me make it really quick. Is it over?
0: You know, the the short answer to that one is yes, it's over. Um, it's going to take some time uh, for everybody to catch up to that conclusion. But the the, the fact of the matter is this. Uh, Russia is winning across the board, militarily, on the battlefield, politically. We just only have to take a look at the collapse of uh, the rapid collapse of a. Uh, Europe's uh, political order and the ongoing demise of the Biden administration here in America, and then economically, Russia has flipped the script. Uh, the, the the sanctions have boomeranged on the U.S., Europe. Um, Russia is doing quite well economically. Uh, when you look at those three things all together, there is nothing that can happen to change the trajectory. Each one of these these, these three different uh, avenues are, are are going in. Uh, Russia is winning. Will continue to win uh the, the the on the battlefield uh the european you know Johnson's out drogie's out and we're just wait until they're all out the g7 and is is, is history is toast uh biden is going to be on for two more years but the democrats are out i mean come up with a scenario that shows me the democrats hold on to the house and the senate and um i i I'll, i I mean i'd like to know what you're smoking but um uh,
1: what, what what have the russians um accomplished what have they acquired do they want to go farther deeper into ukraine or have they achieved their goals
0: well no the goals have uh, shifted the russians have basically said and something i told you uh, I, I mentioned uh, previously the more we provide ukraine with these weapons uh the greater the price will be that ukraine and the west will pay uh, and the russians came out yesterday and said uh, it's no longer about taking the Donbas. Uh, we're taking All the territory we've already acquired is ours forever permanent. We're never giving it back. That means Kherson, Zaporizhne, Oblasts. Uh, And we're going to keep going. Um, We're going to take more. That means Odessa. Anybody who has any doubts about the future of Odessa, understand it will forever be part of the Russian Federation because the Russians aren't going to stop till they take it. They'll probably take Kharkov, the city of Kharkov. They may go on to Dnieper-Petrovsk. we, we don't know. The, the, the bottom line is the Russians have said, and we, we had a hint of this earlier this week when uh, Ukrainians started using um, the American-provided HIMARS, the multiple-launch rocket system with greater range and accuracy than existing systems in the Ukrainian inventory, using them not only to hit Russian military targets, but to pound uh, the, 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 the civilian areas in Lugansk and Donetsk. So the Russians came out and said, uh, the, the war can't stop with simply retaking the Donbass. We must extend our presence so that we keep the Ukrainians out of range of the, the citizens of Lugansk and Donetsk. That means you know 80 to 100 kilometers uh, past the borders, but it's going to go beyond that now. Now we're talking about literally <clears throat> the physical dismemberment of Ukraine, and the, it will look the same.
1: Does Putin want Kiev, the capital?
0: I don't believe so. Um, I think he would prefer that the, the, the that the, the cap be turned over to a. Uh, I'll be honest. A, a puppet state, a puppet, uh, you know, a, a puppet government, a government that's pro-Russian. Um, well, it's, so
1: either like he, be, it's either going to have to be pro-Russian or truly, truly neutral, because he would never tolerate an either independent or pro-Western country with the animosity that the people that live there have towards Russia on his border. He just wouldn't tolerate that. Am I right?
0: No, you're right. But, you know, we could talk about the animosity that the people of uh, Ukraine have towards Russia right now. That's animosity built upon uh, the ability to to have animosity. Uh, They're not going to have that pretty soon. Um, You have animosity to Russia, you're going to die. I just don't I don't mean to be blunt, but, you know, Russia is tired of playing games um they they've said we we are going to you know putin said a while back i haven't even begun and now the russians are saying we're going to start cranking up the pain factor you know I remember people were saying the russians have ran out of ammunition oh they haven't you know they had these caliber missiles that they were firing they're going boom and everybody's going ooh, the caliber is pretty impressive well they've just they started deploying something called the the the, the 305e uh and uh, uh, this this precision-guided weapon that nobody knew about. <laughs> nobody knew about how the Russians are going, yeah, here they are, and we got more.
1: Are we still supplying uh, the Ukrainians with hardware? Your uh, friend and colleague and good friend of the show, Colonel uh, Douglas uh, McGregor, says the answer is yes. We're actually supplying, we we finished supplying them with warehoused hardware. We're now supplying them with new stuff. That was originally purchased to defend the united states so the money that congress authorized is going to uh the manufacturers to to build new equipment for us because the recently built stuff for us is now in ukraine or on its way there
0: or is it
1: already just- there or are we still supplying in other words is this going to stop or is joe biden going to keep giving uh the ukraine's military equipment? as a result of which the Russians will kill the Ukrainians.
0: No, it's ongoing and it will continue to go. That's the whole purpose of Lend-Lease um, in perpetuity. Congress is apparently willing to write um, whatever checks necessary to, uh, to, to continue this process. Uh, all the while, American cities are begging for money from Congress to help with the uh, real problems here at home. Now we're gonna s- instead send tens of billions of dollars to the Ukraine. You know, let, me, let me put this in perspective for Americans. Hi mars that's sort of the big ticket item right now this multiple launch rocket system um we've provided the ukrainians i think with six thousand rounds the majority of those rounds have been blown up by the russians by the way they're not being they're not going to be fired they're blown up russians blown up warehouses but that's one third of the inventory one third if we go to war against somebody and we're required to put out you know massive amounts of firepower to help our troops survive on the battlefield because that's what it's about. Uh, We don't have the high Mars round. Let
1: me me stop you. When you say one third of the inventory, you mean one third of American inventory.
0: Yeah, the only inventory that counts. We had 18,000. Joe Joe
1: Biden, let me just finish this thought. I think you'll agree because you're giving me these ideas. Joe Biden is undermining the national security of the United States of America by sending vital instruments of national defense to the Ukrainians.
0: Yes, we did it with the Javelins, and now we're doing it with HIMARS. We are depleting the stocks we would need to go fight and win a war. Because I'm telling you right now, as a former Marine, I don't want to fight a war if we're not trying to win it. I don't want to go in there and say, hey, we're going to fight, but bam, oh, you knocked me out. God, so bad. No, you send me to war, I better win, which means you better have the equipment I need to carry out the doctrinal tactics and operations that I've been trained to do. Joe Biden just pleaded that. We don't have enough high Mars rounds right now to sustain a modern fight against a Russian-style enemy. So all those brave Americans right now saying, send in the American troops. We'll show them. No, you won't. All you show is that we'll get a bunch of dead Americans coming home because we've abandoned them before the fight even began.
1: The president uh, was quoted by our uh, mutual friend and colleague, with whom we'll be on Saturday, about, about which more later, Phil Giraldi as having said in poland two weeks ago to american troops as i'm sure and i'm paraphrasing as i'm sure some of you know you're going to ukraine and then like this like he likes to do and some (laughs) of you have just been there is this true that american troops have been there and if so are they in uniform and if not do they understand the international consequences of military personnel in a battle zone, not in uniform, they could be summarily executed legally if they were captured by the Russians.
0: You know, I, I, hesitate to answer this, but I'm going to, because that's what, that's why you have me here. I'm not here to play games. Um, Joe Biden is not mentally capable of being the commander in chief right now. Um, He's a man who is, is, who slips in and out of um, consciousness when it comes to being aware Uh, he, he, they have to give him a little piece of paper that tells him to sit, to stand up, to blink. Um, when he did this, what he was referring to wasn't some covert operation. He was referring to the fact that we had Americans uh, rotating through Ukraine on a permanent basis prior to February 24th. So he was trying to allude to the fact that, hey, some of you were there training the Ukrainians. And he said some of you are going to be there again. No, uh, he could have slipped his mind. It's, it's not the 82nd Airborne. Desert. We have American troops in Ukraine. I'm just here to tell you right now, JSOC, and I'm not giving away secrets because people have written about this, Joint Special Operations Command has personnel on the ground in Ukraine overseeing the logistical aspect, the intelligence uh, in, that, that in comes uniform, with the logistical
1: In uniform oh. or not, because you know that's the linchpin to the protections of the Geneva Conventions, being in yeah. uniform with a recognizable insignia.
0: No, JSOC hardly, when they go covert, JSOC doesn't wear uniforms. Um, and that's just the way it is. Uh, they they may have some uniforms in their bag they can put on if they're going to be, but they're not supposed to get captured. The, the point is we have we have American troops on the ground, uh, in in a very dangerous situation. The Russians know this.
1: What um, happens If a few of them get if a few of them get captured or killed, and the press learns of this. <sighs>
0: I mean, if the press learns of it, probably nothing because Biden will convince the press not to talk about it. Um, I also believe, you know, the Russians are big boys; they play this game too. They have their people running around the world uh, doing similar things, Um, and and I I don't think the Russian the Russians will make their political hay off of the mercenaries. I don't think the Russians are um, going to deliberately try to provoke a crisis by uh, capturing these people. I think they may try to kill some of them. but, I, you know, look, if the Russians wanted to capture some of these guys, they could. They have very good guys, just like we have very good guys, and it could get really ugly. The Russians know what's going on. I mean, this is, the, this is the irony, that the Russians are letting us do things that are killing Russians. But they're letting us do it because it's not going to change the outcome. The Russians have a strategic vision that says we're going to win anyways, no matter what. So we're not going to create diversions here. We're just going to keep winning and you can play your little JSOC commando games. Go ahead. Uh, it's not, you guys know it's not helping because we intercept your communications. We identify the warehouse and we blow it up. And you know we blew it up because you just moved the stuff in there last night. So, you know, we detected it. Doesn't it really-
1: American intelligence, doesn't the Secretary of Defense, doesn't the Secretary of State know all this? They should. Um, what do they tell the president? What they think he wants to hear?
0: Well, we've seen this before. We saw this in the build-up to the war in Iraq, where the president made a determination that we're going to war in Iraq because of a threat posed by weapons of mass destruction. So every uh, major cabinet member basically took the book so they could tell the president what he wanted to hear. Joe Biden is being told what he wants, or, or the people managing Joe Biden. But the bottom line is we know this president's a liar. Come on, guys, remember, July 23rd of last year, he got on the phone to Ashraf Ghani, the Afghan president, and told him to lie about the reality of the situation, to say things, and here's the key point, even if it's not true. He ordered the president of Afghanistan to lie about the situation on the ground in Afghanistan to create the perception of everything's going well, because that was the lie Biden was telling to the American people. Biden is lying to the American people right now about Ukraine, straight up lying, and his, his cabinet members are facilitating that lie by suppressing the truth, not okay. telling the president the how,
1: how about how about professional uh, intelligence people? He must meet with them or maybe Ron Klein meets with them, the chief of staff. I don't know. Somebody in the White House must meet with intel professionals. Are they telling him the truth or are they telling him what they think he wants to hear? Because if it's the latter,
0: they're not doing their jobs. No, we, we, we don't have senior intelligence professionals anymore. And I'll just straight up say that. And I challenge anybody in the CIA to contradict me on this. You may have gone in as a junior analyst, meaning wanting to tell the truth. You were schooled on how to tell the truth. But then you found out that when you wrote something that went against policy direction, it died at mid, mid-management level. And you learn that if you're ever going to get promoted to mid-management level, you don't rock the boat. You write what mid-management wants you to write, but you get that promotion. And once you get to mid-management, then you feed the lies the high, the, the, the senior management. The, the CIA, the American intelligence community is fundamentally broken because we've taken integrity out of it and we've inserted politics. We have politicized wow. intelligence. Wow.
1: Let me switch gears a little bit, even though what you just said is quite dramatic. How uh, disastrous for American national security was the president's recent trip to the Middle East?
0: <laughs> well, first of all, we, we, well, I we know wrote, you've
1: written about this. I yeah. read the piece and I loved it. So I basically want you to take the ball and run with it on that. It's a little bit of a different topic, but
0: the people yeah, well, that are it's, emailing
1: it's, me and the people that watch the show mm-hmm. and the people that love you want to hear about this.
0: No, I appreciate the opportunity. It was, there, were, there were two phases to this trip. The first was to Israel where we were supposed to uh, work with the Israelis to create a solid front against the Iranians, because of course, the Iranian nuclear deal JCPOA is collapsing uh, despite Biden saying he wanted to go back in. He's not going to go back in. Um, but when he, instead of meeting with, uh, you know, the, the the, uh, the, the, the the Israeli prime minister, um, he met with a caretaker because the Israeli government collapsed. They've been having this ongoing political crisis. So it's, you know, he has, he's meeting with a fake political leader talk about a fake solution to a fake problem, meaning that they, they said, we're going to stand up tall to Iran. We're going to pretend that we're going to be ready to attack Iran, attack Iran, attack Iran, and we're going to do it. Iran, don't you dare develop the capability for nuclear weapons. No, Iran doesn't want them. The Iranians came back and said, yeah, well, guess what, guys? We're producing the 60. We can go to 90. That's percent uh, enrichment uranium anytime we want, and there's nothing you can do to stop us. So Basically, Biden left Israel being shown the door by the Iranians saying, you're a joke. The Israelis are a joke. There's nothing you can do. Now you say, wait a minute. American Israel is pretty strong. Why can't they do something to stop the Iranians? Because if you bomb Iran, Iran destroys all the oil production in the Middle East. And there's a reason why Biden was going to say that. I
1: want you to say that again, because Joe Biden did say, he would not hesitate to use force, which means force <laughs> along with the Israelis. I don't think the Israelis could take on Iran alone, could they?
0: No, the Israelis can't take on Iran alone. The Israelis are, are realists. They know that they can't have a war with Iran without the, United States. But the okay. United States.
1: The United States and Israel preemptively attacked Iran to try and destroy its nuclear uh, weaponry uh, capability. Iran would destroy the oil producing mechanisms in the Middle East. That would have a catastrophic effect on Western Europe and on the United States.
0: It would be the end of the world as we know it. The end of the world as we know it. Um, look at the problem we're having right now by having, just taking Russian oil off the market. That doesn't mean the Russians aren't producing the oil. They are. Um, so the oil's still there, and yet we still have this energy crisis. Iran would destroy the capacity of Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Ku- uh, Kuwait. Bahrain, uh, everybody else, they would no longer be able to produce oil ever again. Is
1: Iran the threat to uh, Western civilization as the Israelis and the Biden administration have made it out to be?
0: No, Iran, because here's here's the kicker. When Iran does this, they're committing suicide because their oil production will be eliminated and they're gone. But Iran's basically saying, if you want to come at us, we're taking everybody down with us. Iran would prefer to produce oil, to sell oil, to bring in money, to build up their society and live in peace with everybody. That's what they want to do. Um, we're not letting them do that. Uh, you know, the, the, the problem again, I'm not here to pretend that the theocracy is the ideal form of government. It's not, For at least for me. It might be for the Iranians, it's not for me. But the, I've been to Iran. I've met the Iranians, I've met the government. They want to live in peace. You know, they didn't start the war in Iraq. We did. They didn't start the conflict in Syria. We did. They didn't start the conflict in Yemen. Saudi Arabia did with our backing. They're simply responding to the conflicts that we started, which were designed to destroy Iran. Remember how we blame NATO and the United States for the Ukrainian conflict? Every conflict in the Middle East is the fault of the United States and its allies. Iran didn't start these fights. The fact that Iran is finishing these fights by winning these fights, that's a different conversation altogether. But no, the, the Iranians want to live in peace. And guess who they're living in peace with? Russia. Putin just traveled to uh, right, Iran. Right, uh,
1: right. There's a forty billion dollar picture of Putin on the front page of the yesterday's Wall Street Journal, holding hands with the two uh, theocrats who run the government uh, in, in in Iran. He doesn't need, need the West.
0: Wow. No, the, well, in you know, Biden, remember why Biden went to Saudi Arabia? They can they can spin it any they want. He went to get Saudi Arabia to increase oil production. That required, him, that required him to meet with Mohammed bin Sultan. If you remember when Biden was running for office, he said, I will never meet with this man. He's a pariah. Saudi Correct. Arabia must Correct. be isolated from the world. Well, he just crawled there, fist bumped with the dude. And the guy basically told him, uh, all that stuff you want with energy, we're going to hold off till August, because in August, we have a meeting with the people that count, OPEC plus. Oh, the plus, by the way, is Russia. Um, yeah. So we're going to be meeting with the Russians to determine how much energy we're going to produce. So the irony is that Russia will dictate how much energy is produced by the Middle East uh, to meet America's needs. Russia's in charge, Biden. Russia's in charge. Not you. You blew it, pal. You blew it. Let me take you
1: back to where we started. How much longer will there be conflict uh, in Ukraine? Uh, At least mil- till the military of- conflict.
0: At least till the end of the year. At least till the end of the year.
1: Um, are there people, people, Scott, in the Biden administration who understand this as you do, but whose words and ideas have been suppressed or kept from the president and from Tony Blinken, the secretary of state?
0: I think there's people who understand it. It's not about their words being suppressed. These are, these are political people who've sold their souls. These are people who know what the truth is, but have opted instead to be involved in the, uh, you know, shaping of perception for political reasons. It's more important for these Democrats right now to try and salvage the midterm elections than it is to do something that's good for American national security. They're selling our national security down the river uh, for, you know, political, uh, for their political benefit. Newsflash Biden, you're going to lose in November. (laughs) It's just it's going to happen.
1: Probably going to lose big time
0: before. So why don't you do what's good for America? and stop this nonsense. You know, stop pretending we can prevail in Ukraine. We can't. Stop pretending that your sanctions policy is somehow gonna hurt Russia more than it's hurting your allies. It isn't. Why don't you come and do the right thing, end this nonsense today, preserve Ukraine for as much as it can be preserved, stabilize the global economy, hopefully stabilize the European economy so that you don't have your European allies freezing to death this winter, thank God, I wouldn't want to be a European friend of America because Biden's doing everything possible to ensure that the European people, our allies, are suffering this one. All
1: right. Now I want to look in the camera and say to those watching, if you like what you just saw and if you want to see Ritter on fire live and in person this Saturday, and, and if you live in the New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut Uh, Area this Saturday in Kingston, New York. uh, We are all the guests of our friend and colleague Gerald Salenti, Scott Ritter, whom you know from the show, Phil Giraldi, whom you know from the show, Gary Null, a friend of Salenti's and of mine, and some entity called the Hot Damn Band. I don't know what that is. I prefer Beethoven, but this is not an environment for Beethoven. This is a beautiful garden. There'll be music, there'll be food, there'll be plenty to drink of everything you might want to drink. And even each of us is going to speak for about 30 minutes. I'm going to be on fire. Giraldi's going to be on fire. I don't have to tell you that Ritter's going to be on fire because you just saw him on fire. So Scott, we'll see you uh, Saturday, uh, hopefully with five or six hundred people in that uh, beautiful garden. Uh, it's always a pleasure, Scott, thanks for joining us on judging freedom. Thanks for having me. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.